Welcome to Dealer Policy Insider, an exclusive podcast for our Toyota and Lexus dealers. This is where we take a look at the policies and politics that drive our nation and the auto industry. I'm your host, Jason Keller, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Today I'm talking with Stephen Saccone, Toyota's Group Vice President of Government Affairs. In this episode, we're going under the hood on electric vehicles. Stephen, last year Congress passed sweeping new subsidies intended to accelerate the transition to battery electric vehicles. Can you explain what the new tax law means for consumers? First, thanks for having me back. Uh, The so-called Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA, included a provision called the Clean Vehicle Credit, which was written by Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. It provided up to $7,500 in tax credits for consumers buying electric vehicles. However, Senator Manchin put a lot of restrictions in place to limit which consumers could get the credits and which vehicles qualify. He didn't want the credits going to wealthy consumers. So if someone makes more than $150,000 a year or $300,000 for a couple, they don't get the credit. He didn't want the credit used for expensive EVs. So there's an MSRP cap of $55,000 for sedans and $80,000 for trucks and SUVs. He didn't want it used for EVs that were assembled outside North America. So those vehicles were excluded. And he also wanted to move the battery supply chain to North America. So the law required that more of the materials used to make batteries also be in North America. So let me just state it more simply. Manchin didn't want American taxpayers to subsidize rich people who buy expensive EVs made outside the U.S. Well, it sounds like Senator Manchin got all the restrictions he wanted, but he doesn't seem happy. What gives? That's an excellent question. Let me explain. Once the bill was passed, the Treasury Department had to write regulations to clarify how the EV tax credit will work. They were supposed to have the regulations done by January 1st of this year. Well, they determined that the requirements related to supply chain were too complicated to get done by the deadline, so they postponed them until March. In the meantime, vehicles that probably won't qualify once the supply chain rules are in place get the full credit now, and this is what is so upsetting to Senator Manchin. Senator Manchin also sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen expressing concerns about a commercial vehicle credit. What's that about? Yeah, the IRA included a section that essentially says that the MSRP cap, income limits, supply chain requirements, they don't apply to commercial sales of EVs. Well, the Treasury Department interpreted that provision broadly and issued regulations that give the $7,500 credit without any restrictions as long as the EV is leased. This clearly was not the intention of Senator Manchin. This, frankly, is a huge loophole that will allow all auto companies, including Toyota, to avoid the supply chain, MSRP, and income restrictions as long as the vehicle is leased. Now I'm understanding why Senator Manchin is so upset. One last thing. He recently made a speech on the Senate floor saying, quote, China has cornered the EV supply chain market. Can you explain that? Yeah, I watched that speech. Uh, During this speech, Senator Manchin had a large sign in the Senate they called a floor chart that highlighted China's dominance of the battery supply chain. Uh, It said that China makes 80% of the anodes and 60% of the cathodes for electric vehicle batteries. 
His sign also said that China controls 80% of the world's battery material processing and 75% of the world's lithium-ion battery cells. The big debate over electric vehicles is, on one hand, the policy goal of electrifying automobiles quickly to address climate change, and on the other hand, the energy security risk of relying on a battery supply chain that is not located in the U.S. or allied countries. Well, this is much more complicated than it appears. What's Toyota's position on electric vehicles? We've all read press coverage that says we are lagging behind other companies when it comes to battery electric vehicles or BEVs. You know the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love? Well, a lot of people seem to think all you need is BEVs. But an all-BEV approach presents a lot of problems. As we explain to policymakers, right now there is a scarcity of the materials to make batteries like lithium and nickel and cobalt. And while a new battery plant can be opened in two or three years, new mines can take 15 years or more. This material scarcity has been driving up the cost of better electric vehicles, which puts the price out of reach for most Americans. The average BEV is now $66,000, which is $18,000 more than the average car with an internal combustion engine. And then there are the challenges around charging infrastructure, consumer acceptance, and the supply chain issue we've been talking about. Think of it this way. Is the goal to see how many battery electric vehicles we can put on the road, or is the goal to reduce carbon? Our position, which Akio has explained clearly, is that we need to reduce as much carbon as possible as soon as possible. BEVs are part of that solution, but so are plug-in hybrids and hybrids. In fact, given the current scarcity of materials to make batteries and the very high cost of better electric vehicles, plug-ins and hybrids can have a bigger impact on reducing carbon today because they make more efficient use of the minerals to make batteries. Besides, they're more affordable, so many more people can be part of the solution. I've also been reading some articles lately about another provision in the IRA that subsidizes companies that build battery plants in the U.S., Can you explain that as well? I see you have uh, done your homework. You're right. The IRA includes money to support building battery plants in the U.S. That's important because we want those plants in the U.S., like the one we are building in North Carolina. The way it works is that a company receives money from the federal government based on the total kilowatt hours of the batteries they manufacture. This is not a tax credit. It's a direct payment from the government to the company. When the law was passed, the Congressional Budget Office, which is responsible for estimating how much various provisions will cost, pegged this provision at $30 billion over 10 years. But over the past few weeks, studies have come out that say that estimate is way off. Media reports on those studies say the cost might be six times higher, almost $200 billion over 10 years. To put that in perspective, the bailout of the bankrupted auto companies back in 2008 was $80 billion, and most of that was paid back. I suspect that this issue will get a lot more attention in the coming months. Will anything be different around the electrification debate with the Republicans now in the majority in the House? And what could change in 2024 if there's a new administration? Yeah, Republicans tend to be, uh, let's say, less enthusiastic about electric vehicles than Democrats. Many members of Congress and Republican governors express concerns about maintaining our energy independence and the large subsidies for consumers and auto companies to accelerate this transition to electric vehicles. The House Republicans won't be able to pass legislation on electric vehicles, at least not anything that could 
clear the Democratic-controlled Senate, much less be signed by President Biden, but they can draw attention to the issue with congressional hearings, for example. As for the 2024 election, I expect that if President Biden runs again, his campaign will highlight his electrification strategy. Republican candidates will counter that we're spending too much money on it and that our energy security is now at risk. I have no idea how big an issue this will be. I think that will depend on what the voters care about once the campaigns get underway. I think the bigger question is, what will happen around electrification if a Republican wins the White House, especially if the Republicans also flip the Senate and hold on to their current House majority? But we have plenty of time for that discussion. I think we'll save that for a future podcast. Stephen, thank you for the insight, and thank you to our great Toyota and Lexus dealers for tuning in. We'll see you next time.